the humanity of Jesus Christ, and his ultimate victory as man. That's what we're learning about today as the Bible bus pulls up to Psalm 8. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm your host, Steve Schwetz, inviting you to fasten your seatbelt as we prepare for another adventure in God's Word. Our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, is going to begin in just a moment. But first, I want to share a couple letters from the Bible bus. Here's a note from Alan. He lives in Ontario, Canada. As a member of the World Prayer Team, I'm grateful to be a part of Through the Bible's mission to take the whole word to the whole world. Being involved through prayer truly is making a difference in my life and beyond. It's hard to imagine it, but thanks for enabling me to be a blessing to the whole world. Well, it's great to hear from me, Alan, and you know I feel the same way. Next, we got a note from Mike. He's in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. While listening, I often think about the many years ago that Dr. McGee recorded these messages, and I'm amazed that today it's the same program and just as effective. I was looking for a structured way to go through the Bible, and this is a perfect way. I send a little gas money. I recall one time Dr. McGee said we should support the ministry that is feeding us the Word of God, and I agree. Thanks for keeping the Bible bus rolling all these years. It's such a blessing to me and so many others. Well, thanks for your partnership with us, Mike. We're so grateful for the faithful prayers and financial support of friends like you who help keep the Bible bus rolling in more than 200 languages all around the world. Now, if you'd like to join Mike and other faithful listeners by providing a tank of gas or a new set of tires for the Bible bus, visit ttb.org forward slash give or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now, our last letter comes to us from Robbie in Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you for becoming a part of my life, Robbie says. I am a convert to Christianity from my family religion of Druze. I have been a Christian for many years, and I typically listen to family talk radio on my way to and from work. Recently, I was working late for a couple of days, and I stumbled upon your program. Initially, I thought listening to Dr. McGee would be boring. His voice was so unusual. But after a few days of listening, I'm hooked. In fact, I started leaving work late so I can listen. I am not much of a reader, and just listening to someone reading the Bible can't keep my attention long enough. But now, I get to hear the Bible with commentary. This is life-changing for me. As I said, I was a Christian, but now I am a growing Christian. I understand more and know more. Thank you so much for this gift. I also want to thank you for the online app. It makes it easy to share the Bible in different languages. Well, thanks for emailing us, Robbie. It's great to hear that you like the app and that you're sharing it with others. Keep going. What's God teaching you as we study his word together? Well, you can write and tell us. Email is an easy way. Write to BibleBus at ttb.org. You can always post a message on our Facebook page, or you can send your note to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1, or call and leave a message for us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Let's pray with one another. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word is reaching people around the world and growing each of us. We pray that it'll come alive in the hearts of all those who hear it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's time to study Psalm 8 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, we come today to the 8th Psalm. We come to the second great Messianic Psalm. And it's called a Messianic Psalm, the second one. Psalm 2 was the first one. Psalm 8 is the second one. And they are psalms that are quoted in the New Testament and make direct reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, this psalm is quoted three times in the New Testament. In fact, the Lord Jesus himself mentioned this psalm. You remember what is called his triumphal entry into Jerusalem when the children in the temple cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. And at that time, the chief priests and the scribes said to him, Hearest thou what these say? And it was then that the Lord Jesus said to them, And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings? Thou hast perfected praise. Well, that's in Matthew 21, 16. And very frankly, he's quoting from this psalm here when he gave them that scripture. And he's just saying to them, it'd be a good idea if they'd read their scriptures and understand what they were talking about. And then the second quotation is found in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verse 27, what we call the resurrection chapter. And in that, we have the quotation, He hath put all things under his feet. Well, that is quite obvious from that psalm that it doesn't refer to today because we will see it in a moment, but Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, But now we see not yet all things put under him. They're not put under him today, that is for sure. But now the fullest quotation is found in the second chapter of Hebrews, and it makes it very clear that Psalm 8 refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd like to turn and begin reading at verse 5. Here it says, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Now you see he's quoting from this psalm here, Psalm 8. And then we go on. Thou hast put all things in subjection, under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Again, it's called our attention that you and I are living in a day when all things are not put under him. So this psalm looks to the future. But let me read verse 9, Hebrews 2. But we see Jesus. Now, the psalm's talking about Jesus, friends. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, and he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Now, these are three remarkable quotations from this psalm that we have in the New Testament. Now, this second great messianic psalm begins with the statement, How excellent is thy name in all the earth. And it concludes with that. How excellent is thy name in all the earth. That's not a reference to the present hour that we're living in. God's name is not very excellent today in the world. I heard on the golf course not long ago a man taking the name of the Lord in vain in a way that was absolutely uncalled for and unbelievable in an old man that was standing right on the threshold of eternity, walking down the street. 
I heard a very nicely dressed lady. She looked refined. Actually, she looked like she could be somebody's grandmother. And so gentle looking, but my, how she could swear. <laughs> God's name's not very excellent today, and the fact of the matter is they're not saying much about God. I notice on the newscasts that they never mention God. He makes the news, too, but they never bring him into the news. Now, I've noticed that on an insurance policy, they recognize him that if your house is destroyed by fire or by an act of God, and what in the world is the Lord doing, running around destroying houses? I don't think so. But that's the only publicity he can get today. It's all bad as far as he's concerned. They're leaving him out, and they leave him out purposely. They don't want his word in the schools. And these broad-minded liberals today that believe that everybody should be heard and that pornography should be permitted because our liberties shouldn't be interfered with. Well, friends, don't I have a little liberty? I'd like to have prayer in school for my grandchildren. How about you? I'd like to have prayer today in public places. I'd like some recognition of God today. Do I have any liberties any longer in this land of ours? No, God's name is not excellent today. I listened the other night and watched on television a very excellent, thrilling travelogue of men who went to the top of Mount Everest. And they talked about when they got up there to the top of how terrific the winds were and that the old mountain, it was really talking back to them and letting them know that man was nothing. But no mention of God. Personally, I've never been to the top of Mount Everest, but if it's like the top of the mountains here in California, may I say the mountain, just a bunch of dirt and rock and a few trees up there, it doesn't talk back. It doesn't become violent. It doesn't make man feel little. God's doing that, friends. It was God on top of Mount Everest that let those men know how really insignificant they were. But they didn't find out how great God was. They just talked about nature. May I say to you that God's name is not excellent in the world today. Not at all. But this is a prophecy, this psalm. It looks to the future. It looks to a glorious future. You see, the second psalm, we saw man in rejection. And in this psalm here, this messianic psalm, we see God's man. And it emphasizes the humanity of Christ and his ultimate victory as man. It's a great psalm, by the way. In Psalm 2, it was man's rebellion against God. But here we see that man finally gains control of this earth, and the day will come when God's name will be excellent in all this earth. Now let me read then, beginning again with verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who hath set thy glory above the heavens. Well, Maybe I should move back and look at something else here. It says at the beginning, and it's part of the inspired text, to the chief musician upon Getith, a psalm of David. 
Now, this is a psalm of David, and again, it's always been a question of the background of the psalm, and I want us to notice that. Upon the getith, what does that mean? Well, you find it again in Psalm 81 and Psalm 84. And it's generally been interpreted as a musical instrument. It's a kind of a lyre. Now, I mean by that the instrument is called a lyre. I'm not talking about mankind today. They are also. All men are liars. David's going to say that in the Psalms. I said in my haste, all men are liars. And Dr. Carroll used to say, and I've had a long time to think it over, and I still agree with David. Well, I do too. Well, this evidently refers to a musical instrument, and it was the belief of Gesenius and Dalich, and this is the way they explained it, but that actually it was Rishai, a Jewish scholar, who said the word came from Gath, as it was an instrument which was known in Gath. And there you will recall that David found shelter when he was suffering and being persecuted. And he probably learned to play this stringed instrument, and he's the one that introduced it to Israel. And then the Vulgate and the Septuagint, they translate this word by wine presses. And I think there's something in all of this. And this is the psalm that reveals the wine press that the Lord Jesus went in for you and me, that he tasted death for all men. He tasted the bitterness of the wine press. Now, Isaiah will tell us later on that he's coming from Edom and he's treading out the wine press. And then the juice of the grapes that's on him at that time is not his own blood, but that of his enemies. You see, if the blood of Christ means nothing to you, you're not saved. You have to come up for judgment. It's either his blood or yours, my friends. That's the position that man is in today in this world. Now, this is a psalm of David, and there are those that try to read into it the death of the son or the death for the son. They think this was the psalm David wrote at the time of the death of Bathsheba's son, or it was the death of the giant Goliath. Well, I mention all of these because of the fact that this is a psalm that apparently has a great and deep meaning. I had a professor once that gave this psalm the title, Stars and sucklings, you see, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. And when I consider the heavens, the moon and the stars, all the way from stars to sucklings. And this is a psalm that goes along with another nature psalm, Psalm 19. And there you have the sun and the scriptures. And it's S-U-N, sun. And it's quite interesting, the sun It's not even mentioned in this psalm at all when it speaks of nature. It just is not here. Now, will you note it? And we want to move down into this psalm now because it is such a wonderful one. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, Hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. 
I think it's quite interesting that the Lord here makes it very clear that when he was here on earth, he said, except ye become converted, become as little children, ye shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. And it was those little children there that it was just a little picture back yonder at the so-called triumphal entry. And I don't consider that a triumphal entry. You wait till he comes again, friends. That'll be a triumphal entry. But that was a little adumbration, just a little picture of the fact that he's coming again to this earth. And that time that he comes, why, he'll establish his kingdom. But he says in the meantime that you will have to become converted and become as a little child. And I think that simply means that you've got to get right down, be born again, become a little child. A little child has to put aside all of his boasting and everything and He just comes in simple faith always. The faith of a little child, how tremendous it is. So that what you have now in this psalm is the Lord, the Creator. You have nature, the creation, and you have man, the creature. And you have the relationship here. Now he says that you got to become like a little babe. And our Lord used that when he came in in the so-called triumphal entry. Now, he says here, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, or that you put them in their place. You know the reason that the moon is where it is? And there's a star. I look at it every now and then here in Southern California. It's very bright when it gets over into the south west, which means it's out yonder hanging somewhere in the South Pacific. It's out in that direction, and I look at that star, and I've often wondered, why is it there? Now, I want to confess to you, I don't know why it's there, but there it is, and I can tell you why it's there, too. It's there because that's where Jesus wanted it. He put it there. I have certain things in my study. Oh, I put this book here and that book somewhere else. You know why I do that? Because that's where I want them. (laughs) The stars are not arranged according to the way I want them. Because I might move that one that's out yonder in the southwest. But it's there because that's where he wanted it. He put it there. And he's the one that's ordained them. And he says that the heavens are the work of his fingers. When he speaks of salvation, he says, Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And that's the bared arm, by the way, of God revealed. You see, when God created the heavens and the earth, his finger work. Or as John Wesley put it, God created the heavens and the earth and didn't even half try. Just finger work, you know, like a woman, you know, crocheting. That's what you have in creation. And that is something that God's put his glory above it. That is something that is great to us. And there's a glory in creation. But we don't worship these creations. We worship God. He's the creator of them, and they tell out his glory, and his glory is above it. Now he says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And they're still working on that. What is man? Man is a very complicated creature. He's a human being. We belong to a race here, and they try to figure out how we got here. The Bible says God created us and put us here. And then man went afoul. He turned aside. He disbelieved God, then disobeyed God. 
And why would God be mindful of man? Why not just wipe him out, get rid of him? Man today has made a failure on this earth. Man's a great failure. You know, we don't like that at all. We want to hear a success story. I think sometimes the most difficult job in the world is to be a cancer specialist. Since I have it, I've gotten in pretty close to that group. They're all pessimists, as I see it, because they don't have many success stories, and very few. But mankind is not what you call a success on this earth. He's really a miserable failure. He's got this universe in a mess. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Well, I'll tell you why man's important and the son of man that thou visitest him. 1,900 years ago, he made a trip down here and died on a cross to let us know he loved us. Didn't save us by love. He saved us by grace because we didn't have anything to offer. We weren't worth saving at all. God's made a trip down to this earth. I don't know about these other planets. They say now that Mars may be inhabited. Maybe it is, but that's all right with me. But I know one thing. He hadn't been there to die on a cross. He came here for that purpose. And then he says, Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. That's where we are. And hast crowned him with glory and honor. You see, the Lord Jesus, when he made appearances in the Old Testament, he was the angel of the Lord. But when he came to Bethlehem, he came much lower than that. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. But man lost that. And man doesn't really control this universe today. Science thought they had it under control. Now we found out science polluted the thing. And it looks like that this earth is going to become a great big garbage can today. And science made it that way. You've been worshiping science. You better get out of the garbage can in a hurry and get you another god. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. But they haven't been put that way yet. Wait till Jesus comes. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. God made it all. He's the creator. And this universe tells that the invisible things of him are clearly seen by the things that are made. Why, God made the fish. He made the stars. He made you and he made me. He's the creator. But someday, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. But today we don't see that. And you and I are living in a universe that's groaning and travailing in pain, waiting for that redemption. But God is above all of creation. He set his glory above the heaven. And up yonder today is that man who came down here, born in Bethlehem. And there is a glory and we behold the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think only by faith you're going to be able to see him, friends, as he's up yonder at God's right hand. And we all with open face beholding as in a glass, glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear. We shall be like him. What a prospect. Oh, what a glorious prospect there is for the child of God today. 
This is a wonderful psalm. If I could sing, I'd sing it to you. But I did the best I could. Oh, we just stood on the fringe here, friends, of this glorious psalm that sings praises to my Savior. May the Lord richly bless you, my beloved. You know, Dr. McGee is right. The child of God has a lot to look forward to. You can spend more time with today's message yourself at ttb.org forward slash listen. There you'll find several listening options, including a link to download the app that was mentioned earlier. Or if you have questions about this ministry, call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE or visit ttb.org. And if you'd like to invite a family member or friend to hop aboard the Bible bus with us, why don't you call 1-800-65-BIBLE and order a free pack of our Bible bus passes. Now, each one's got a QR code that'll take them straight to our study. And if your friends aren't quite ready to use QR codes, then our web address is listed there also. Next time, we continue our study of Psalms in chapter 9 and 10. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll be here waiting for you to hop aboard. And God bless you today as you walk with Him in His Word. Jesus came home, to Him I Sin had left a crimson Our story on the Bible bus today is just one step in a five-year journey through the entire Word of God. Come along for the ride, and you'll study both the Old Testament and New Testament, discovering God's great redemption story. Is this your story, too?